Good morning friends and welcome to our Sunday morning podcast. It's great to be together, even if we can't be together in the same room. Uh, my name's John Thorpe, I'm the minister here at Shell Harbour City Anglican. Over the last couple of weeks we've been talking about how we live out our faith and how our good deeds commend Jesus to those around us. Uh, but today we're talking about how we share our faith and talk about the hope that we have. I think for all of us, we've had an experience where we've had the opportunity to talk about Jesus and to talk about what Jesus means for our life, but we've missed that opportunity. Either it's gone straight past us and we said nothing, or instead of having a conversation, it's ended up being an argument where we feel we've done more harm than good. And so today in the passage that we're reading, one of the themes is how we are prepared to share the hope that we have and how we might do that graciously and compassionately and generously. And Pete Stacey will be talking from the letter of 1 Peter. Also in our podcast today, we'll have a time of prayer. There'll be some music. And for our highlight, uh, we'll be hearing about how Cross Life Youth and Cross Life Kids have been back together for the first time face-to-face this week. And so that's fantastic, and it'll be great to see what's been going on there. So sit back, enjoy, and I hope you find this time together encouraging. Oh, my. 
morning my name's Julie and I'll be bringing us today's reading the reading can be found in 1 Peter chapter 3 beginning at verse 8 and going through to verse 22 finally all of you be like-minded be sympathetic love one another be compassionate and humble do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult on the contrary Repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behaviour in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better, if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body but made alive in the spirit. After being made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, to those who were disobedient long ago, when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolises baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand, with angels, authorities and powers in submission to him. G'day friends, my name's Pete Stacey. I'm the evening pastor here at Shaw Harbour City Anglican Church. Some tricky bits in that passage, aren't there? Well, let's ask God for his help. Let's pray. Dear Father, as we come to your living and enduring word, please grant us the grace to understand it, to change our attitudes and behaviour where we need to, 
and to persevere in obeying you with joy and courage so Jesus' name may be honoured and those who don't yet know him might find the hope you give us in Christ. Amen. As usual, there's an activity sheet for the kids. Uh, it's on link to this post and it has the three headings I'm using uh, as we explore this passage. So note takers ready. Uh, our personal integrity, our public witness and our powerful saviour. As we pick it up in verse 8, the word finally, it's not telling us that we're at the end of the whole letter, we're only halfway through. Rather, what he's doing is summing up what he's been saying since chapter 2 verse 11. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among unbelievers that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. In other words, get rid of sin and replace it with good deeds that point people to the wonderful God that we serve. And Peter says we do this by godly submission in society, in the workplace and at home. Now, if you missed it, can I encourage you, go back and listen to the last three podcasts that explored uh, those three things. Now, after addressing these specific groups, who does he speak to now? Look at verse 8. All of you. And from verses 8 down to verse 11, there are a dozen direct commands, all focusing on personal integrity. Now, I've abbreviated them down to a list of nine. They're at the side of the screen. Let's take a look. Peter wants us to be like-minded, to be united by the hope that we have in Christ. He said a lot about this hope already. You see, when we love Jesus and then commit ourselves to the well-being of others, then our unique gifts and personality traits enrich the church, not divide it. Next, he says we're to be sympathetic, to feel what others feel, to rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Have you ever experienced the healing power of a fellow believer who sat with you and felt your pain at a really hard time in your life? Perhaps without even speaking a word, they shared that moment with you. Friends, don't, don't be that person who's so focused on themselves that they're blind to the joy or the pain in the lives of other people. Next, he says we are to love one another. Now, of course, he's repeating what he said back in chapter 1, verse 22. Love one another deeply from the heart. And he says it again uh, a bit later in chapter 4, verse 8. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Now, there's no facade here. It's the deliberate choice to love others and invest in their lives as a reflection of the love Jesus has for you and me. It's powerful. One of the best ways to cultivate this kind of love for other people is simply to pray for them. It's a sacrifice of your time, and it's all for their benefit. And you want to find out how they're going. Uh, so I, I encourage you, give it a go. Give it a go. Next, he says, be compassionate. That means seeing the suffering of others and feeling it enough to take action. Sometimes all we can do is pray. Other times we can give 
perhaps money or food or clothing or employment or shelter or friendship. In Exodus chapter 34, God is described as gracious and compassionate. Friends, to be compassionate is to be like God himself. What about humility? Picture Jesus, you know, all the power and wisdom and perfection of God as a human. And there he is washing his disciples' dirty feet. Jesus is our perfect example of selfless service for the sake of others. In chapter 5, Peter says, All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. What a beautiful way of expressing it. Now, from verse 8 alone, we can see just how important personal integrity is. It impacts our fellowship together. Uh, someone once said uh, that verse 8 presents an ideal portrait of the church, if everyone obeys it. We really need God's help, don't we? And verse 9 continues this grand package of personal integrity. Look at it. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. This is classic turn-the-other-cheek Christianity. It's exactly what Jesus taught. Not surprising. I mean, Peter was a disciple and very close friend of Jesus. So it's no surprise that his teaching often sounds uh, similar. Uh, for example, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 44, Jesus said, I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. I can still remember when I was about six and a thief came during the night and stole our neighbor's amazing crop of vegetables. Now my mom got uh, us kids together and we prayed for the person who did it. Now it's not a, a natural response in a situation like that, but it's a right response. And we obey all these things because as verse 9 says, to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Now in God's kindness, living a life of personal integrity often results in personal blessing in all kinds of ways and that's wonderful but ultimately the blessing peter is talking about here is eternal the key word is inherit it's something we we haven't yet received but we're looking forward to now throughout his letter uh, peter keeps reminding us to have an eternal perspective as we live here and now remember how he began back in chapter 1 verse 3 in his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. And so as we go through the letter, he keeps saying things like this. Live out your time here, that means your life, as foreigners here in reverent fear. We now live for Jesus in the light of eternity with Jesus. Personal integrity. Yep, we're still going. <laughs> it affects every part of our lives. It changes the way we speak. Look at verse 10. We must keep our tongues from evil and our lips from deceitful speech. It changes our behavior. Look at verse 11. Turn from evil and do good. In fact, it changes our, our whole ambitions and outlook on life. Uh, look at the end of verse 11. Seek peace and pursue. Lots of things in life you could seek, but here he says, seek 
peace and pursue it. Personal integrity is so important, and yet it's so hard. I mean, look at this list. Let me sum it up. Be, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate, be humble, repay evil and insult with blessing, clean up our speech, do good, and pursue peace. I mean, to be honest, I find it quite overwhelming. Now, we all fall short in, in so many ways, and, and God sees everything. See verse 12? For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. It's a bit like mirrored glass. A really funny moment uh, years ago when I was teaching, and a high school girl was checking her face and her hair in the mirrored glass, not realizing I was still inside the classroom. I walked up until the sunlight hit my face and it was right where her reflection would have been. She got such a shock. We had a good laugh together and uh, off we went. Uh, but it's like us and God. God is behind that mirrored glass and just because we can't see him doesn't mean he's not there. And he sees everything. And the more we look at the world and our lives, honestly, I think we see evidence of two things. We see our sin and brokenness, and we also see his kindness, his compassion, and his grace in all kinds of ways. Friends, let me ask you a question at this point. What's the difference between a, a sinful Christian, someone who struggles with sin, and a person who does evil? That we see there in verse 12. The Christian keeps coming back to God. And because Jesus paid for our sin on the cross, God sees us as righteous, not because of our own good deeds or anything we've earned. And because he sees us righteous and our sins covered by Christ, his ears are attentive to our prayers, prayers of confession, prayers for forgiveness, prayers for help to turn from sin, and prayers for strength to live in a way that honours Jesus. And verse 15 really is a key verse. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Set him apart as the one and only ruler, master, boss in your heart. Personal integrity is the fruit of God's spirit at work in our lives as we revere, as we set Christ apart as Lord in our hearts. And personal integrity is actually not our goal. It's the byproduct of making Jesus our goal. And personal integrity has a massive impact on our public witness. And we'll look at that now. In fact, personal integrity is a major part of our public witness. An unbeliever is far more likely to listen to a person who obeys verses 8 to 11, you know, all those things we just looked at, why? Because their walk matches their talk. On the other hand, nothing is more off-putting than a person who says one thing and lives another. I can't stress this enough. Personal integrity, who you are when no one's watching you, has a massive impact on our public witness. Because the bottom line is, people do see. They see our character. They read our lives. 
Well, let's have a look at our public witness now. Verses 15 to 16 are well known and often quoted in relation to witnessing. Always be prepared to give an answer. But before we look at them, notice that the context is actually suffering for our faith. You see, when people see you trusting Jesus, even when life is really, really tough, that speaks loudly. Even more astonishing is when you're being mistreated because of your faith and yet you still hold on to Jesus and you still respond with grace and kindness and forgiveness like Jesus. It is so shockingly different to our culture and it speaks volumes about the life-changing power of Jesus. See, God doesn't shield us from all the pain and suffering and persecution of a sinful world. But he stands right there with us, beside us, to help us persevere, to stand strong and to speak about the hope that we have. So how can we be prepared? And what do we say? Well, the first thing there is in verse 15, in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. See, without Christ, you're not a Christian. Without Christ, we have no eternal hope to share. Without Christ, we're not witnesses, we're onlookers. Now, if that's you, can I encourage you, put your trust in Jesus Christ today. Find the hope and joy and forgiveness and the peace that God offers to us in him. Secondly, what do we say then? We need to be able to explain our hope in a brief and a clear manner. We need to know the gospel, and I want to encourage everyone to learn a simple gospel outline, you know, like Hand of Hope, or Two Ways to Live, or Four Spiritual Laws, or Bridge to Life. They're all great, simple ways of communicating the gospel. Because if you learn one of those, it gives you a mental framework that you can draw on in that chance opportunity. You don't know when the opportunity is going to come. But if you've got some sort of framework, you can share it, you can put it in your own words. That's really helpful. And the goal here, according to Peter, is that we are all prepared to give an account. Nine years ago, uh, I took a bunch of us down to Jindabyne for a surf to snow mission trip. Uh, we had a fabulous time and, and what, in our preparation we all learned to share our own story, our testimony of uh, how Jesus has saved us. And we all learned to share the Hand of Hope gospel outline. Now God gave us lots of opportunities. Uh, one afternoon my daughter Jessica, uh, who was about 11 at the time, was on a tea bar with some random middle-aged man. And uh, uh, she struck up conversation and said, uh, yeah, do you have any um, spiritual beliefs? And the bloke said, uh, well, I'm kind of agnostic. Well, she didn't know what that meant. And she goes, well, at our church, this is what we believe. And she launched and you know, went right through the Hand of Hope uh, explaining the gospel. Uh, if you're not familiar with Hand of Hope, check out our members page because I've put an, an outline there. And a little later in the uh, podcast, you're going to hear someone share it. Uh, like they would in a conversation. And uh, she got to the top of the uh, tea bar just before leaving and said, uh, oh, here, would you like some, some more information about following Jesus? <laughs> Classic. And, um, and off he went and, and she came over to us and told us the whole story. One of those special moments. Uh, we've looked at personal integrity. 
It's so important. We've considered our public witness so that we can be prepared. Well, let's now focus on our powerful Saviour. We'll pick it up at verse 18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. That's the gospel in one verse, isn't it? And Jesus didn't stay dead. The same verse continued. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. Christian hope springs from both the death and the resurrection of Jesus. His death on the cross paid the penalty for sin and broke the power of sin so that we can be forgiven and we can be reconciled to God. But his resurrection validates every promise that he's made and it guarantees our resurrection to eternal life. Now at this point, I'm really tempted, I really just want to jump straight to the last verse, you know, where it says, and by his resurrection of Jesus Christ, that's how we're saved, and Jesus Christ has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels and authorities and powers in submission to him. What a powerful saviour, amen. But what about the imprisoned spirits? And the Noah bit? And the bit about baptism? What do we make of all that? Well, firstly, let me say this. In the Bible, the main things are always the plain things. And the plain things are the main things. Now, the best way to understand the Bible is by looking at other parts of the Bible. The Bible interprets itself in that way. So if something is obvious and keeps on being repeated in different ways and you know, just all over the place, it's really important. For example, yeah, the, the command to love one another that we saw in verse 8 is a good example because you flip through the Bible, it just pops up all over the place. But if a verse of the Bible says something that you know, there's little or no other part of the Bible that, that kind of is like it or helps us understand it, then by all means, have a go, you know, but hold on to your, your conclusion pretty lightly. Verses 19 to 21 are pretty tricky. Now, throughout history, there's been at least five different interpretations, probably more. Um, so we need to try and understand what he's saying, but also why he's saying it. Let me briefly give you what I think is, is the most likely meaning, uh, and then we'll look at the why question. Let me illustrate. Distant holidays seem like a, a distant memory right now. But when we've had long car trips, uh, one of the many games we play to pass the time is the connection game. We go around the car and each person says one word. It has to be connected in some way to the previous word that was said. Uh, now, if others can't see the link, they say, connection, and the person has to explain what they're thinking. So I say, canary. And the next person might say, yellow. And the next person might say, sun. And the next person says, none. And I'm like, what? Sun, none. Uh, I guess it rhymes, but I say connection. And they say, because there's no sons in our family. Okay, I've just got four daughters. Uh, that's it, no sons. Uh, good connection. Uh, and on and on it goes. Yeah, sometimes it's funny. It certainly helps pass the time. As I look at verses 19 to 21, I think that's what's happening here. After talking about Jesus' death in verse 18, he jumps to imprisoned spirits. Now, these are angels who sinned in the days of Noah. 
Remember, this is a society that thinks pretty highly of angels and how powerful they are. So the proclamation in verse 19 is not good news of the gospel, but the bad news of God's judgment. Even mighty angels are powerless before the judgment of God. And now with judgment in mind, Peter talks about how God was so patient uh, in the days of Noah and saved Noah and his family from the complete devastation of God's judgment when the flood came. And then he kind of moves from flood water to the water of baptism. And baptism is a symbolic reminder of Jesus' death and resurrection. It's a reminder of being cleansed from sin, not dirt. Uh, and that gives us a clear conscience with God. And then focusing uh, again on Jesus, because the, the, the power of baptism is not in the act itself, but what it points to, Jesus' death and Jesus' re resurrection. And so now focusing on the risen Jesus, he affirms that our powerful risen Saviour is, look at the last verse, at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. Why does he say all this, though? To emphasize that Jesus has power over everything that could possibly stand against him. Not just sinful angels, but even death itself. So if we have Christ in our hearts, we're in good hands. We're on the winning team. Our trust is well placed. Our future is secure. The threats and slander and persecution of unbelievers cannot harm us because our Saviour is powerful and He has guaranteed our future inheritance with Him. Well, friends, let me sum it all up. Let me put it all together in, in a sentence. Our personal integrity is of utmost importance. It gives credence to our public witness as we share the hope that we have. And the key to both our personal integrity and our public witness is having our powerful Saviour, Jesus Christ, set apart as Lord and Ruler of our hearts. Amen. Let's have a sneak peek at what happened at church on Friday night as our Cross Life kids and youth return to the freshly painted building. Set, go! So excited to be back at Cross Life Kids! Here's a bit of what we've been doing! Woo! Hello, my name is Ian Renitz. Let us draw near to God in praise.
The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no word. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and have their being. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We praise you, Lord. In Confession Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we humbly admit that we need your help. We have sinned against you in thought, word and deed and in what we have failed to do. You alone can save us. Have mercy on us wipe out our sins and teach us to forgive others. Strengthen us to love and serve you and live our lives to your glory. Father, we are thankful that you fulfil your promises and are true to your word. We have confessed our sins and you have forgiven us because Christ died for us. Amen. In thanksgiving. Thank you, dear God, for creating us in your own image, that we are built for relationship with the ability to express and receive love. Thank you for the gift of parents and family. Thank you for the gift of singleness. Thank you for the gift of marriage. And thank you for the gift of eternal life in joyful relationship with you, our Heavenly Father. We give you great thanks for this place in which we live, for its constant reminder of your good creation, its beauty and peace, for its relative safety, for its minimal infection rates, for its law and order. We thank you for giving us, your creation, insight into health and disease. We thank you for doctors, nurses, paramedics, hospitals and aged care facilities. We thank you for scientists and researchers. We thank you for vaccines and medications. We thank you that you never leave us or forsake us. In humility, we bring before you in prayer this morning the ministries of school chaplains. We particularly ask for your encouragement and blessing of Dan O'Dell at Shell Harbour Anglican College and Mark Grieve at the Illawarra Grammar School. Please empower their ministries among the students families and staff of their schools. 
May your name be honoured and loved there. And a prayer from Trinity Sunday, which was last week. Father, you sent your word to bring us truth and your spirit to make us holy. Through them, we come to know the mystery of your life. Help us to worship you, one God in three persons, by proclaiming and living our faith in you. Grant this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. That brings us to the end of our time together today. If you're watching this on Sunday morning on Facebook, it'd be great if you can leave a thumbs up or share this podcast with a friend or just leave a comment about something that's encouraged you. In the week ahead, things are a little more relaxed with social distancing. We can now have up to 20 people in our home. So this might be an opportunity to invite someone over for a meal or a cup of coffee. Our connect groups have more freedom to meet back together and it'd be great if you can talk to your leaders about your plans uh, for meeting together and what's appropriate for you. And then finally, if you missed Cross Life Kids or Cross Life Youth this week, then it's on again next week. Uh, Cross Life Kids starts at 4.30 and Cross Life Youth starts at 6.30 and we look forward to seeing you there. Have a great week. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord.